It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. The discussions with TSN, Sportsnet, Three Down Nation, and other media sources. It just became this sort of circular referencing that we're talking about talking. First Down. You're listening live to Third Down Gamble. And what? wait a minute, everybody. I think I've got a phone call coming in. Hello? Hello? Rainer, is that you? Yes. You're safe now? Yes, not sure what happened to our connection. Where are you now? Well, I'm in the league office. I'm investigating whether or not there will be a merger between the XFL and the CFL. Let me know what you find. All I have to do is open up this Talk About Talking file. I have it. Here it is. The CFL and the XFL have... Rainer? Rainer? Oh no, we lost the connection again. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. Second down. We are back with the usual suspects. We have Heath Graham joining us. Heath, good to have you on again. Thanks for having me. And we've got Don Cherubin back with us once again. Thanks, Pat. We are here for second down, and and I'm going to propose something a little bit different, fellows. I know last time on our last podcast, we discussed the XFL in a number of cases. And today I want to take a little bit of a journey to the thought experiment of, regardless of where we believe things are going, let's, let's move to the idea that the two leagues will merge, not arguing about whether or not they will, And I want a little bit of a thought experiment about how that would look if they actually do. So the questions start with, what do you think we keep in comparison between the four-down system and the three-down game of the CFL? That, to me, is the biggest thing I think that's been discussed in any venue that I've watched, whether it's YouTube, whether it's on three-down nation, listening to podcasts, uh, talking about this. It seems to be that the three-down is the Canadian way of doing things. Now, the irony is, and for the Americans out there listening to the podcast, they started with three downs as well, way back. And then they moved to four downs in roughly 1912. Part of the reason was to get some more offense into the game. And the whole point of downs, just to give some more context about it, is all of North American football is based in rugby. When you have a a game of rugby... If one team is dominating another and they just control the ball by moving the the scrum around. So what they decided to do to get the game moving along and stop teams from stalling was to force them to go three downs to make 10 yards. Three downs being put to ground and you have three chances to make 10 yards. And that's where that whole business started from was to get the game moving once maybe a team was dominant and that created more excitement for the fans and definitely more entertainment value for uh, the players as well. Thanks for taking us down that, Don. It's good to know. And uh, I wonder how many of our American listeners actually were not aware that we originated with three downs. There's been a lot of discussion in this whole merger and, and partnership talk as to whether the CFL would look at going to four downs. And in my 
humble opinion, one of the things that differentiates us is the three down, uh, three down concept. And if the XFL truly wants to be a different entity than the juggernaut of the NFL, three down football on a bigger field with more players, more motion is a great way to do that. We've got, you know, a lot of people that have never seen the CFL before and get some exposure to it as a longtime American football fan can't believe how fast the game is and how wide open it is. And, and part of that to me is that three down rule. It's a throwing league a lot more so than a, than a running league. And, um, you know, running games are still important, but you look at the NFL and how much that um, run on first down is the norm and it really builds from there, whereas the CFL is a lot more unpredictable in play selection and play calling. The CFL was a run first, pass second league right up until the 1970s. And about that time, quarterback play started to really accelerate. People like Warren Moon were starting to show up and Conrad Holloway, J.C. Watts, uh, Damon Allen, you name it. There were a ton of great quarterbacks that were coming into the league that could move the pocket around. And suddenly the whole run-pass option became more significant. So the, And what we see now is that the culmination of it is this pass-first, run-second attitude that most teams have. So we see quarterbacks routinely throw the ball 35 times or more in a football game, where back in the 60s, if they threw it over 25, it was considered a, a desperate situation. And for me, I, I would agree with what Heath is saying. I think it's an opportunity if the leagues do merger to have a different product. And and I would say we're not only going up against the NFL, but we're also going up against the NCAA. Uh, both of those are huge in the United States. So you want to be wary of putting the exact same product on the field. And, and I think that's been proven by former leagues that have tried that and saturated the market and haven't been successful. So for me, if the merger were to move forward, I think three downs would certainly be a way of distinguishing your product from the rest of the American football products. Now, that being said, some of the issues with some of those other leagues that have failed have been that they've been too gimmicky. Uh, so what is considered a gimmick as far as American football fans and what is a way to make the game more exciting? We've seen the XFL experiment with kickoffs and with different aspects of that part of the game or even they eliminated the coin flip in the first uh, first edition of the XFL um, and had guys running towards the ball, which resulted in a broken leg, etc. So some of that kind of stuff doesn't sit well, and it's a really fine line of finding what works as a rule change to tweak and make it more interesting and what's going to come off as, as too gimmicky and too weird for people to fully embrace. Okay, we have a... A long list of leagues that have tried to make it against the NFL and have gone by the wayside. But there are two that I think are significant is that they did actually more or less succeed. One was the AFL, and there are a lot of AFL teams that made it to the NFL. Now, you could argue that they were still absorbed, so therefore they didn't withstand the onslaught. Regardless, the AFL was a viable entity for a long time. The other one that I would argue a little bit for would be the USFL. Until a certain person moved that to a fall league, they were doing quite well as a spring league. And I think that's where the niche is for any football in the States right now that isn't the NFL. You have to play outside of their sphere. 
you make a valid point on going up against the NFL or being anywhere close to it certainly hasn't been a record for success. Uh, so let's assume the new league is a spring league. Let's make that assumption that we're moving ahead and, and whether we're three or four downs, there's certainly some other things that are on in play in terms of what would you decide to keep as a league between the American football rules and or the CFL rules. So let's take a look at some of these areas and, and maybe I'll throw out a few. As CFL fans, we are certainly understanding the long tradition of the Grey Cup Championship. If this league mergers, do you see the league holding a Grey Cup or is it going to be a merged championship? Well, I guess it really depends on what they do if they do an overall championship um, to decide the the overall champion. Do they look at a, a Canadian champion as being the Grey Cup champ and they have some sort of probably generic football on a stick type trophy that American leagues seem to love as the, uh, the American championship and then they play for something substantial beyond that? Um, you know, to me, it was heartbreaking when the Baltimore Stallions won the Grey Cup to see uh, an American team come and claim the, the great Canadian trophy. So if there's some way to keep that uniquely Canadian, I'm all for it. And um, to me, that would be Canadian division champions get the Grey Cup. American division gets X championship and then they play for an overall uh, beyond that. The one fear that I have is that if let's say it's the stepping stone. So you win the Canadian championship, which is the gray cup. And then you have to play the, the American champion the week later. Would guys just sort of stand around the cup and not touch it? It's a good question. Based on sporting tradition, there's definite possibility for some teams that would definitely happen. I would be hopeful in the first few years of merger. I don't see that being there. I think the Canadian players who've been in the league for some time would still see that as a, a championship. It's almost like, uh, in high school football, when you played for the city championship, sometimes because you played against those teams all your life and those players, it may mean almost more than that provincial championship. And I would venture to say, at least from the CFL side, I think you may have that situation happening where those players, the Grey Cup is kind of the ultimate. And then, well, let's go on and play this other side of the league you know, for the next step. Uh, I think initially that would be where it would go. I'm not sure if the league stayed together for some time, if we'd have that same feeling over time, but certainly initially i think that would be what would happen it would depend on the success of that great cup champion in the overall championship game as well if the great cup champ comes in and and they all grab the trophy and, and celebrate and they win three league championships in a row then there is no curse whereas <laughs> if they're if they do that and, and all of a sudden the american teams dominate then maybe we should take keep our hands off of this mug absolutely that's a very valid point i've always found that superstition kind of idiotic because in 2007 Kerry Joseph grabs the Western Championship trophy one week later he's holding the Grey Cup trophy doesn't make any difference executions execution Don if you play well and you play well at the right time it matters more than what trophy you just touched a week ago Okay, let's uh, let's go on to a few more questions then in this sense. Um, we, we mentioned it before. Um, Heath, I believe you spoke to the field dimensions and the size of the field. So let's talk about the number of players and the size of the field. Where do you see this merged league coming to common ground? Well, as I alluded to in our previous podcast, the one problem with American stadiums is especially the length of field having a difficult time getting the full 110 yards and the 20-yard the end zones in. Um, one article I read did talk a lot about um, MLS soccer stadiums and how the, the soccer field is actually wider than even a CFL field. So any place that hosts a, a, 
MLS team has the width to get the, the full-size field in, and it's a matter of what do you do in the end zones. And even if you shrink from a 110-yard field to a 100-yard field, you can still extend the end zones a little bit. So it might really be a hybrid of the two sizes. Um, I would personally love to see the continue of the 12-man team um, with more room to maneuver. But if they have to shrink the field too much, then you're not going to have that same amount of room and you may have to look at the number of players. The CFL field is 65 yards wide. The American field is 160 feet wide or 53.33333 yards wide. Back in 93, 94, 95, when they had the American experiment, they did have hybrid fields down in the States. They had the 110 yards between the goalposts, and they had shortened end zones, sometimes 15 yards. And I think Memphis was the, the big uh, push behind that. The other stadiums seemed to have the room to, to get back a little bit further. Well, some of them even had the angled end zones where they didn't quite, uh, they kind of had a, an, an angle across the, the back line cutting some portions off. Well, that you saw in Canadian stadiums for a long time too. It wasn't until the, these recent changes that uh, we've seen all of that eliminated. <laughs> That's true. I think the field can be more or less brought together. I don't know if you could get 20-yard end zones out of it, but I would not want to go to 10. I think that really is too much of an advantage for the defense. The offense has gone all the way down the field, and now they get this little porch that they've got to find a way to score in. I think if you're going to create more offense around the goal line, you have to have a deeper end zone. Okay, just uh, one more question about the field then. Uh, How about the goal posts? At the goal line, back of the end zone? I'd like to see them at the goal line. I think it adds a really interesting wrinkle to the game. Um, as the 2019 Western final would allude to, um, it's, you know, to, to have the goalposts in that field of play, it's, it creates a, a different element to the whole passing game and, and running game as well. You've got to really be careful where you're lined up and what the play call is. Um, the thing with the goalposts at the back of the end zone too, is it really eliminates a lot of the missed field goal returns. Uh, that's an exciting part of the CFL is you get that wide field, you get all that room. And if they're, you're going for a last second 50 plus yard field goal and you miss it, that field opens up in front of that return guy. And you just don't see that in the NFL. And it's a, a huge part of what makes the CFL game exciting. To add further to that, Heath, I would argue that, you know, you're going to reduce scoring if it's at the back. If you have a, let's say we go on 20 yard end zones as a whole, your possibility of kicking field goals becomes much more difficult when you're sitting on the 30-yard line. I think it's going to cut down scoring, and I think part of what makes our league exciting is the ability to score you know, fairly often, at least if you're getting field goals. If you are inside of the 50-yard line, you have an opportunity. While we're talking of goal posts and field goals, then let's, let's move to the rouge. Hold, eliminate. Keep it. If, you, if the goalposts are at the front and the end zones are at least 15 yards deep, you keep it. Agreed. I don't know if we really need to dig too much deeper into that one. I think Don hit the nail on the head there. Okay, I, I think we're unanimous. <laughs> yeah, we're unanimous there. I like that. So let's, uh, Don, I might move this next question to you first. Let's go to the CFL game timing versus the American game time that we'll see generally in the, let's use an NFL. What do you see as being the, the way that the game clock would change if the leagues merge? Well, that's one thing that I think they could actually follow the CFL adaptation because all they'd notice is they'd be getting up to the line of scrimmage a lot faster. 
So I think the 20-second clock that the CFL uses, where basically as the teams break apart, they get on their own side of scrimmage, the ball is set down, the official checks over, makes sure everything's okay, winds it in for 20 seconds. With all of that, it's typically a 32 to 35-second gap between the ball being downed and then being put into play on the next play. So you could go to a 32-second clock or a 34-second clock and affect the same thing. But I want that 20-second clock in the final minutes so that you've got a chance to come back, which is what makes the CFL so exciting. And I'm sure Heath can attest a Winnipeg victory over Montreal a couple of years back was definitely aided by that three-minute clock. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Don. And the NFL, I think the real difference in the CFL is you almost need to get one entire first down more than you do in the NFL game with the way the clocks run. So you see a, a team in the in the NFL, they get come back from that two-minute warning and really need to make one first down uh, to successfully run out the clock if the other team's used up their timeouts. Whereas the CFL, and, and granted we get that extra minute too, it's a three-minute warning and the excitement really starts. I love the 20-second the clock. Um, it's, a, it's a much faster game. And you're right, it gives teams that extra little bit of opportunity to to mount a comeback they uh, often say that no lead is really safe in the cfl and we've seen teams in those last couple of minutes can put two scoring drives together whereas the nfl if you're not successful on getting that onside kick you cannot get the ball back and make another run at it and the other thing about the nfl rules about the onside kick for kickoffs is that it has to touch the ground in the cfl you just have to get it 10 yards they don't care how because it was posed earlier, if we were to move to the three-minute clock and the CFL timing, would American fans find that too gimmicky? No. I think it's, I think Don's right. It's not enough of a change to make it a difference. I think once they realize the fast pace of those last three minutes, they're going to buy into it. Um, there's nothing more excruciating than the last couple of minutes where a team's controlling the ball or like a, an NBA game, the last couple minutes of an NBA game can take half an hour. Whereas a CFL game, you got that clock running, it's go time and it's going to be over quick. And I think that's going to grab attention. Well, and, and Heath brings up the NBA. The NBA game clock is different than college. The NBA uh, shot clock is different than college. And yet people seem to follow both religiously. So I don't think that's going to be a major problem. That's a nuance, not a major change. I mean, certainly as a CFL fan, I'm in agreement with what you've said. I think the CFL timing, particularly in those final three minutes, can make for some absolutely exciting um, ends of game. You know, there's opportunities for teams to have not just one touchdown, but multiple scores in that time if they manage the clock effectively. So I, I would one agree. Thing, yeah, one thing that I would relent on would be if you didn't want to go two threes at the second and fourth quarter, then why not four twos? two at the first, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth. That way, every team has the same advantage with the wind, the sun, and it just makes it a, a more level playing field. Yeah, it, it would take away the um, significance of that coin toss in a sense, wouldn't it? That's what I'm thinking. And I've always hated to defer on a coin toss anyway. You win the toss, figure it out. So... We've talked about the field. We've talked about the clock. Let's now talk about some of the actual plays involved in the game. So um, why don't we start with the idea of the line of scrimmage? In the CFL, 
the defense has to line up a yard away from scrimmage. That hasn't always been the case in the NFL, and uh, they don't have to. They can get inside the area. And the um, offense is on one yard line at either goal line as well, no closer. So the ball doesn't move inch by inch in that sense. We, it always goes back to the one yard line. Do you see any changes in that CFL rule as opposed to the NFL or four down rules? I think if you have three downs, you probably need that one yard off the ball because you need the time for that offensive lineman to figure out where that defender is going to go so he can influence block him. In the NFL, they're right on top of you so fast, it makes it tough to do that. You can't. You don't see as much pulling in the NFL as you do in the CFL with the guards and the tackles because they've got that extra step that they can use to get around. So I think if you keep three down then you've got to stay a yard off the ball to make sure that the offense has a, a reasonable chance at, at moving up the field. The only advantage I see to the um, no neutral zone, if you will, of lining up right on the ball is it really kind of makes those fourth down gambles, if you will, by the NFL teams a lot more of a chance of a stoppage. I think the, the one-yard gap gives the offense a little bit more of an advantage on those uh, third and short situations. Now, we've seen some phenomenal defenses that have done really well in closing that gap and, and stopping that team even from gaining a half yard. But, you know, I, I think that's the only thing I can see on that, uh, on that fourth down or on the, on the no-neutral zone that is really an advantage. Um, personally, and I guess... What I'm hearing from our conversation is we're all kind of CFL traditionalists. We're, we're not really on board with any changes of, of the game from what we're hoping to see if there is a merge. Um, but, you know, there's there's got to be some give and take. And, and right now we're all on the in the camp of the CFL rules are the ones that we should continue to have. Is it possible to play a merged league that has two different sets of rules, much like baseball? Right where you've got two, and and then you you run a hybrid set of rules at the championship level. I think it's a lot easier in baseball because it's just one real rule as the designated hitter rule. Um, with something with as many moving parts as a football game, that's going to be really tough to figure out what rules and and how to get your team up to speed on it. You know, like even you look at at international hockey where all of a sudden they're playing on a bigger sheet of ice it changes the game a bit but the the offside rules and the you know where face-offs are held and all, all of those sorts of things don't really change if you're looking at really trying to merge the two and and have different rules based on where you play that's going to be a refereeing nightmare for one thing and there's going to be a lot of players pretty confused on on what the right thing to do is I could relent on the amount of motion behind the line, the waggle. I think I, I think I could do away with the waggle altogether. I've never really liked it. Alan Pitts and Ray Elgard abused the beans out of it. I swear that half the time they were two yards into the other team's <laughs> secondary before the ball was snapped. Still the case today, is it not? As long as you're not across the one-yard line <laughs> beyond the yard of scrimmage. Yeah, they're the only ones that are allowed to be offside, and I thought the sleeper rule was thrown out in 1960 or something. Beyond that, I, if you look at what the Americans do and you look at what the Canadians do, we're, it's not that disparate a game. Three downs, four downs, 11 men, 12 men with the field. It's just, I think it's a, 
it's all the components together that changes how we view the CFL and how they view four-down football or the NFL. I think it's that that amalgam. I think one of the biggest things to try to figure out in, in some of these rule differences too is the uh, no yards halo versus fair catches. We've seen a lot of very talented and speedy American-born kick returners get up here and get completely baffled by the no fair catch rule. And it really changes things up. So depending on what you do with that, if you're trying to to have different rules for different leagues, that's where you're going to get some confusion as well. I don't think you can play one style in the States and one style in Canada and then have them meet somewhere in the middle on a Grey Cup and determine that, well, for the first half we'll play four and the second half will be three and then we'll move the goalposts at halftime. And no, you just can't do that. You've got to decide what you're going to be and where you're going to go before you even have your first kickoff. Remember, for proper physical distancing, if you're close enough to shake hands, you're too close. The recommended distance in CFL terms is two yards. Don't get a no yards penalty. Make sure you stay back at least two yards to maintain proper physical distancing. Third down. Okay, gentlemen, in second down, we discussed what a merged league would look like. Now let's be realistic. The XFL in two iterations has completed exactly 1.5 seasons. Being a little bit pessimistic here, what happens if the merger does not work out? The XFL isn't able to generate an audience in the U.S. to the same degree that the CFL gets here in Canada, then what happens? Post-merger, or are you talking if they, if they can't come to some sort of deal right now? I think post-merger. So the, the two leagues combine into one, and the fan base in the U.S. just isn't on board. Things aren't going well. What happens? Well, I would hope that the CFL has some very good lawyers, and they've written in an an exit clause that protects them so that they can go away intact. You could be risking everything if you complete a merger with the XFL that all bets are off the table and that you're putting all your eggs in this basket. And then who knows, this could be the the end run for the CFL as well. I would hope that the CFL would, would be able to step out and, and resume play. And I would hope as well that in whatever iteration the, the leagues have uh, merged that they they hold is it separate divisions canadian american so that there's opportunities for the one division to potentially continue on and for me that's the cfl we have over 100 years of history in this league and and i would hate to see that go out the window because of a failed merger with a a league that that doesn't last very long Big difference between the two sides is that the CFL is comprised of nine teams and nine owners. The XFL, as it currently sits, is one set of eight teams under one owner. Now, the the ownership in the CFL, Bob Young, classic example, sees this as a public trust. He's a caretaker. It's his responsibility to ensure that the Tiger Cats continue to play football. How much of that attitude goes on on the south side of the border when you don't have a history and your provenance is as heath pointed out 1.5 seasons i guess that's a big question is what does the xfl ownership look like in this merge situation if they do look into franchising it out 
it's a different situation than if it is one league ownership of eight teams. It does definitely change the demographic. It changes everything as far as partnerships and and possible splits um, if it doesn't work out. So um, that is a, a huge question mark, and, and it looks at this point like the XFL is looking at that single owner uh, for their eight teams. But if you're actually merging with another nine-team, nine-owner league, how do you do that? Well, one way is to buy that league outright and just own the CFL. And that is definitely a concern when you've got a, a, an organization like Redbird with them, what seems like unlimited financial resources to put into this. Um, certainly, with the people involved, they're not in it to lose money. But we've mentioned in our, in our previous podcast that they can be in it for the long haul to build you know, uh, a following to allow the league to lose money until it can be successful to build uh, some capital. So, I mean, it, that could happen where you'll see this league supported by one half the organization if they are separate. But Don, if they do come together as you're proposing, that would be a whole nother discussion because at that point, the CFL rights for all the teams would be held then by that company. That, that, that oversees this new merged league. and That to me would be the scariest scenario is a complete ownership takeover by the XFL. I don't know how the CFL could come back from that if, if that was the case and it fails. I think if there's some way to keep the existing ownership um, in the CFL bodes well for a, a, a split or an opt-out if things aren't going the, the right way. But if an XFL comes in, buys the entire league, and after, like Pat said, a couple of unsuccessful and unprofitable years decides to mothball the entire thing, how does the CFL, how do Canadian football fans, how do former owners pick up those pieces and start again? It's going to be a monumental task, and I don't know if it, it actually comes to fruition. It's a lot of stuff that we just don't have a clue about as these negotiations go forward, whether or not there is ownership on the table and what that could entail. It's just, it's really frustrating to be on the outside looking in and there's nothing to look at. It's almost like there's a police tape in front of the door and we're not allowed past. The lack of information coming out from the inside sources right now is pretty frustrating. We're, we're almost two weeks in to this announcement that they've been talking. Obviously we're fully aware that they were in discussion before that as well. And the little snippets that have come out have not been enough to really build anything substantial uh, beyond speculation at this point. Everybody's guessing the, the, you know, the, the TSN insiders don't really have much more information than the common fan that, that reads and listens to podcasts. So it's a really a guessing game still at this point, what all these talks mean. Well, if you have to give them any credit, you give them credit over this, the gag order around these discussions has been phenomenal. Nobody is saying anything about anything. And if they are talking about talking, well, whatever that means, they have sent that balloon up there to get everybody in a tizzy in Canada that the CFL is up for grabs. And they're gauging that reaction. But beyond that, depending on how deep and complex these negotiations are, they have really done a great job at keeping them very closed. And to their credit, they probably have to. Because I don't think you want to have every 
nuance of a negotiation played out in the public theater? You definitely don't want it played out in public theater, but I do think that, you know, it may be more indicative of, you know, we're, we as podcasters and the media are all speculating about what could happen in this league. And there doesn't seem to be much coming forward. So maybe it truly is just talking about talking. Maybe there's not much to actually report about at this point. Um, if that's the case, then maybe there's no news to come from there for a little bit of time. Um, we've heard the XFL is holding off until at least 2022 uh, because of these discussions. So if it's a merger, we have a long period of time to wait before that will actually bring any information to the fans. The timing to me is very unfortunate. Since March 10th, they've been in negotiation. We don't know what they're doing, but they also have a 2021 season that they're supposed to be planning. We've heard news of a virtual combine that's coming up. The draft is still not scheduled. It's pending. In my universe, my focus right now would be the 2021 season. If you're negotiating with the XFL, I would have picked a better time to do it. If you're going to get 2021 underway, the teams are moving. Where is the league on all of this? They have been noticeably quiet. There's been very little discussion from the league office about the 2021 season since this all started. And silence sometimes speaks louder than anything else. The league itself has been silent, but we are hearing, you know, I look at it from where teams are operating. They, they continue to sign players. We've got owners and, and others who are saying, yep, we're going to be going ahead. We're, we're happy to host the Grey Cup. If they're not involved in those discussions, they're, they're still under the assumption that they're moving ahead with the 2021 season by what we see. But you're right, the league itself and Randy Ambrosi have not been uh, vocal in any sense or form since this announcement. It really is just said we're talking about talking and, and then we've got a media void and speculation is now filling the gap. It's unfortunate with some of the speculation. You're seeing a lot on social media. There are fans that are adamant that if there's any kind of merger with the XFL, they are done with Canadian football altogether. There's other people that are excited about this situation, hoping that it's going to be something that, that Dwayne Johnson and his millions of social media followers get on board and launch the, the CFL into a new stratosphere. Um, there's traditionalists that are against any change. There's people that want to see more NFL-style football in Canada. And everybody's speaking up right now except the CFL, and that's probably the most frustrating part. The league office, to me, needs to be championing this season coming up. They need to be promoting the beans out of it, trying to get everybody excited. Tim McAuliffe put out a great essay, and you can see it on YouTube on Sportsnet. And he talks about the whole issue of everybody getting in a huff every time the CFL is under threat. Why aren't you doing something when the CFL isn't? I think this goes to this whole business. There's that balloon that's floating right now that the XFL could be coming and it could be a merger. And the traditionalists and the diehards are getting all in a huff and other people that are casual observers are getting all in a huff. And trust me, there must be a lot of casual observers because that the Grey Cup is one of the 10 top programs every year. And that means roughly upwards of 10 million people. So one in three people watch the Grey Cup every year. That's a lot of CFL fans that are out there that just are sitting on their hands. And really, like it doesn't take that much. Get some tickets, go to a game, and you wouldn't have to worry about this XFL thing. 
Hodge makes an argument, and you've probably read it or listened to the podcast as well, um, where he talks about the, the, the business model. And, and you're right, Don, the CFL, the Grey Cup, people enjoy it. I think it's, it's uh, you know, it's one of the premier sporting events in Canada still to this date. And it, it's one that transcends multiple generations. You know, when we talked last week about leagues and trying to, to lower the uh, average age of the people who are most influenced, the, the CFL is truly, in my opinion, a family thing. People all gather together with family, friends, and they sit down and watch the game. The CFL has always understood what lane to be in. Their advertisers and their sponsors are not the same categories as the other major pro sports leagues. The CFL has done a good job at that. What they don't do that I think their marketing is weak at the best of times. They're, they're certainly promoting diversity. They're certainly promoting uh, Canadian content, but they just don't promote the fact that this is the best game going. You just can't argue with the pace of play, with the style of play. It's just everything that you want. You have high-scoring games, low-scoring games. You never know going into a stadium what you're going to see that day. And that is just, to me, remarkable that a professional league could be that variable from week to week. And I think that's what the CFL has going for it in so many ways. And if you have an entertaining game, that's that's what's going to bring people in and it does. I mean, for for me, for my kids, for my family, for my friends, we're all CFL fans because of that entertainment value that the game brings on any given day in any given situation. I guess best case scenario, this is where the XFL group comes in to help, right? Jeffrey Pollock has a huge marketing background. If he can help promote the CFL and that game, and as we said, Dwayne Johnson has over 200 million social media followers. If he can help in that marketing and getting eyes on the screen, that's what's going to help. Um, some iteration of a, a merger between the two leagues is probably not the best thing that's going to happen to the CFL. But if they can truly just work in a partnership agreement as opposed to trying to merge a league and you put those resources behind something, that's where the success is going to come. It's something that you don't know what you have until it's gone. and. Do you really want to cross that bridge? If I have to go to a CFL game or a C something XFL game, whatever you want to call it, and I have to watch the Rough Riders or the Stampeders or, the, or Edmonton whatevers, I've got to decide for myself what do I want at the end of the day. Do I want to see football? Do I want to see it in my park? And do, will I relent on some things so that I can see that football? Because what matters, I have to really have to decide for myself what matters most to me. I vote yes. I vote football at this point. Like I said, we've all been fans of the CFL for a long time. We've got our allegiances to our teams. We've seen success of those teams uh, throughout the years. We've seen lean years and we've stuck with it. And at the end of the day, to see professional football in Regina, to see professional football in Winnipeg, in Hamilton, it's the best thing that we can hope for and, and hope to sustain. Um, I'm, a, I'm a football fan and, and CFL first, but football in general. So if it's a matter of a few changes here and there, but we still get to see our beloved teams play in our closest cities, then that's a win. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D-D-E.
G-A-M-B-L-E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.